0: So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we've not got one guest. We've got two guests, and they are awesome filmmakers. It's Marco Bozzo and Andy Brown. Marco, did I say your surname right? Because I always worry about surnames.
1: It was close enough.
0: <laughs> and how do you pronounce it? Uh, Basso Bosso it could it, to be honest it could it could be my accent so i do apologize and uh, okay. my 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 guests are awesome cinematographers and directors producers literally they have got every job title today with this project which is bucket heads which is on youtube and it's doing amazing so before we jump into bucket heads i just want to Get to grips with what you do as a career uh, because I've had special effects supervisors on the show. I've had directors as well, but not cinematographers. So um, who wants to explain, Marco or Andy, w- what are cinematographers and what do they do?
2: Marco, you take this one, buddy. You got this. Rep <laughs> <those Yeah>. well. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: so the cinematographer's job is essentially everything that you see on screen it's, he's sort of like the, the technical director of the image. And his job, or her job, is to um, visualize what the director has in mind, essentially. Did I get that right, Andy?
2: Yeah, visualize and execute, certainly. Um, you know, directors, just like everybody else, come in many uh, forms and skill sets and, and levels of experience. Um, so the, the DOP's job is definitely to fulfill their vision. Uh, and, and direct other departments into, you know, the best practice or best way to fulfill that vision.
0: And would you say it's it's to create the look as well of what you see on screen, as you've just said, because there are certain films and f- certain projects that have got a special look about them that can't be replaced, like Jeffrey unsman uh, no Unsworth, um, that was a legendary cinematographer that worked on Superman and worked on uh, 2001 so his look is very distinguished to him uh, so would you say that that's the sort of thing that you go for have you got an actual look that you individually have or is it a case of it depends on the project that you're working on
2: uh i would say it absolutely depends on the the project you're working on i mean there are certainly styles and and types of looks that marco and i are drawn to and that you know we we prefer visually but um, as a director of photography, you are working for that production company, that director, uh, you know, those creatives and their vision. And, and every project is different. You have a certain level of input on, on that vision, on how it goes. But, you know, oftentimes a director will um, talk in broader terms, right? They want a warm feeling, um, uh, something to feel, or, um, you know, in general themes and bigger picture um, verbiage. And it's our jobs as director of, directors of photography to take that verbiage and execute it into a look, just like you're saying.
0: And with this project, Bucketheads, um, you know, you've gone from cinematographers to now directors and producers. So, if you could tell, you know, the lovely lis- listeners and viewers on how this project came about, because if they haven't seen it, it is absolutely drop dead gorgeous visually, uh, the story. I just think it's awesome. I have never rooted for Stormtroopers before, and uh, they're my all-time favorite now. So how did the project come about? Uh, who who wants to go, Marco?
1: Sure thing. Uh, so it, it started ultimately from a love of Star Wars, uh, but also because we were, as filmmakers, just uh, trying to find something that we could execute in a very high level and ultimately it came down to what do we have access to? At the time, I was just becoming a member of the 501st Legion, which is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization that does a lot of charitable work. And their whole shtick is that they dress up as bad guys from Star Wars in film accurate costumes. So I was on a journey to build a a screen accurate stormtrooper anyway, then realized I have a group of really enthusiastic uh, guys here who have like 50 stormtroopers between them. Let's just make a movie about stormtroopers. And that connected to a bigger network of Star Wars enthusiasts that had droids and rebels and props and set pieces and all sorts of stuff that you would need to make a really good looking Star Wars film. And honestly once it started it was just it it kept going because everyone was so into it and, and loving Star Wars and wanting to tell the story and continue so we, we're still doing it to this day and andy did you both work
0: together before the project or uh, was this a project that got you both together as uh, collaborators on the uh, project
2: I'm, I'm sorry the the early yeah. part of that question cut out did uh could, could you repeat yeah. the question
0: so so um you know was was this a project that that got you and marco together working together or did you work previously
2: Uh, actually, yeah, this, this was basically the inception of Marco and I, we, we met as film technicians on a volunteer set, uh, oh my gosh, 2015 perhaps, and, uh, moved in the very first day that we met, uh, we decided we were going to become roommates. Uh, it was a bit of fate (laughs) as you could call it. Um, and just in living together for some two and a half years, you know, we, we pretty quickly identified that our. Uh, goals were, were pretty similar in that we both wanted to be filmmakers and directors of photography and in knowing that and not really having shot much professionally ourselves um, you know we, we wanted to take on a project that we held all the cards you know could make all the calls and, and really have some creative influence over mm. uh, so it, it very much was the inception point of my <laughs> I, uh, Bucketheads
0: and and was 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 there any arguments during the filming did you get on uh was there any disagreement creative differences or are you still uh, very good friends
1: uh, well, there's arguments every day yeah we, that, that's our style <laughs> we're basically an old married couple and everyone who works with us knows that and i think loves to see it but that's how all our best ideas um come to be it's a lot of arguing very very passionate are ar- arguing because we, we we both have very strong ideas of uh what this should be
2: i think that's <laughs> um, that's the kind of people you want to you want to set yourself up with right you want to mm. be challenged by people you respect and, and adore honestly um, yeah. so it's it's really nice to work with marco and yeah i have and i have to back it up with why i want this and why i think it makes sense and it, it's a good thing creatively
0: that is awesome and in 2018 so this film was released um, it's had a few views since then 2.5 million views which is absolutely astonishing and rightly so because it it is awesome I'm going to put a poster up because the poster I want to buy this poster and put it on my wall it is awesome like literally, literally the artwork on this is just amazing um, so did you realize it? it was going to be such a hit when making it to the impact that it's had today.
2: I, I actually, or Mark, you wanna take this?
1: Um, I, I only got about half the question, so why, why don't you start?
2: that's what I was gonna to say too I missed the I missed the first half of the question it kind of had a little audio blip again I'm so sorry
1: uh it's okay
0: let let let, let me repeat for you so obviously in 2018 this movie came out and it had 2.5 million views did you did you feel that it was going to have this much of an impact when making this short film um, that it's got today?
1: Well, I think every filmmaker hopes that that's what's going to happen. And I think we certainly felt we had something special on our hands. That it grew that much, I truly did not expect, but I'm very glad that it did.
0: And did you have any feedback from anyone from the Star Wars franchise, like Mr. Lucas? You know, is there any message of, well done, guys, you've done a great job?
1: Um, Certainly. So we... um, it's, it's sort of a tricky situation because Lucasfilm and their employees are not officially allowed to comment in an official capacity, oh, wow. uh, but we know for a fact that several key actors of the Star Wars franchise have seen it and loved it, uh, as well as some people who are very high up as, at uh, at Lucasfilm.
0: That is, do you know what? This was what I was talking to Troy about because You know, Disney and Star Wars can be a bit of a super superpower, so uh, you know they can be very strict and rightly so because it's it's a bit like big companies like Apple. Do you know what I mean? They can do what they they want to do because they can, and you know no one's going to disagree. So, you know, with obviously making a Star Wars uh, fan film or I would not call it a fan film. It's it's a fully bone a fully um, you know thingy production. how do you get away with everything star wars how do you get away with with having everything you know related to the main franchise Uh, I, i think troy did go over it a bit but from your point of view as the you know the directors and producers i mean how do you get away with 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 making such a a great film that's based on star wars
2: uh uh, there, there are sort of three guidelines that we usually try to follow and Marco and I talk about this quite a bit. Marco, you're going to have to help me with the third one because I always seem to forget <laughs> it even though somehow we follow it. Um I it already. But the the sort of major two in my mind are number one with financing. Um, you know, you need to be very clear in what you're doing. We are not making an official Star Wars property. We are making a Star Wars fan film, you know, made by fans um, and the, the financing is generated from fans um, even in in describing that you have to be somewhat careful because if you directly take the fans money for a Star Wars property that can be problematic so we run a patreon uh, for the project and we have some pretty clear language on there that actually describes that people are donating to our production company and our intention is uh, creating bucket heads um, so we got to be pretty careful with all uh, sense of monetizing, uh, right? We can't distribute it. We can't sell it. We can't even monetize on YouTube, right? This really is a not-for-profit project. Um, and then the other one is just keeping the scope and the themes and the, the feeling of the property within what Disney is trying to do themselves, right? We can't go and make an R-rated Star Wars with a ton of gore and viscera and, you um, you know themes that that aren't one Star Wars or, or Disney rather is trying to pursue currently, and we do feel that Bucketheads does fall into that. Right, it is about um, the bad guys, but we're not necessarily exploring their sinister intentions. We're exploring sort of the human elements of that.
0: Mm, mm. I mean, I, I I mean, I suppose I look at this because obviously it's self-funded. Would you say you know everyone working on these? this project is a bit like a calling card for them it's a bit of like this is my resume this is what i can do because you know if you're not making any money off it but yet it's had 2.5 million views i suppose you know how do you attract the filmmakers um you know the you know special effects artists and everything like that to join you to make this project if technically you're not making any money from it because you're not allowed because of Lucasfilms and and, and, and Disney. Would you say it's a calling card?
1: Absolutely. Uh, for the younger guys especially, it is absolutely a, a calling card and, and a great showpiece for their ability and a chance to step into bigger roles that previously they may not have had the chance to. On the other hand, we also have a ton of really seasoned professionals who don't need a calling card anymore. They just love playing in in the star Wars sandbox and being able to uh, express themselves and create art without any limitations that are usually um uh, uh, put on them in bigger productions like uh, mm. we have a bunch of designers who very much just want to put their own spin on it and uh, create without having to answer to a network of studio executives and and whatnot they just they can just Go into this project and play.
2: Mm. Yeah, and for the for the calling card element, it's actually um, I don't know, motto is not quite the right word here, but I'll use it anyways. It's sort of the motto of our not for profit company we created specifically to do Star Wars and help with the financial elements of that. Um, that we you know we endeavored to give people a shot in a, a role greater than they're already pursuing in professional environments while, you know, having quite a professional setting to uh, to, to test their skill set in mm. it.
0: Mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, I've seen the behind the scenes, and it's incredible. It really is, because I know that someone, uh, when I first saw the write-up for this, it said fan-made film, and like I was saying to Troy, fan-made to me, it gives the impression of someone with a camcorder in their garden, you know, <laughs> but this is literally off the charts. Um, I mean, we see with fresh eyes, you know, the view, uh, the, you know, the focus on the stormtroopers. And what I like is that the fact that they're not faceless anymore. We're actually getting to know them as people. Um, I mean, how did the story come about? How did the idea uh, grow on actually this story we see on screen. Uh,
2: I think, and it's somewhat topical right now, especially because um, Andor is coming out and, and being, um, you know, spoken about so much. Mm. I believe we had actually gone to see Rogue One with a mutual friend of ours, um, and and just really enjoyed the story so much. I mean, I, there are problems to that story, you know, that aren't worth talking about right now. But at its core, it is well grounded, sort of war piece that really dives into the gravity of the situation of this war. Uh, I think I think better than a lot of Star Wars films had done up to that point. Um, and so after seeing that, I think it, it was sort of a, a spark in our minds uh, that we wanted to to play in that sandbox and to help tell some of these stories. Uh, we really you know, thought about other films in this vein um, and, and drew inspiration, I suppose you could say, from Jarhead. Uh, and band of brothers in particular to try and tell a story of individuals playing their role in something greater that maybe they don't even have all the information about
0: and was there anything uh, that didn't make it to screen in the way of store storyline i mean i can imagine with star wars it was like a, a great big explosion on you know what ideas came out you know i'm I'm sure there's loads of pieces of paper in the dustbin right now of ideas that you had you know is is there any ones that you thought you know what we should have had on screen
1: i mean hindsight is always twenty twenty, but for the short film in particular um the story didn't actually change very much from what we initially conceived what did change was the dialogue multiple times after shooting That's the beauty with uh, shooting faceless characters you can just dub them over as many times as you need until it's <laughs> until you get it right. However, with the with the series with season 1 that we're currently filming, things have gone through a great many revisions. I think we first started writing it a year before we actually started filming it. We had a writers room going and just the just the first episode has changed so dramatically from when we first started talking about it. It's it's an entirely different story. That being said, we have the entire first season, uh, all five episodes of it entirely mapped out. It's a complete story uh, arc that is not going to change in terms of where it starts and where it ends, but how we get there might still uh, change a little bit.
0: I mean, where do you stand in the way of protecting, you know, this storyline, protecting what you've got? I mean, what stops... Disney and Lucas Films seeing these films and thinking this is amazing. We need to uh, maybe do another series after Mandalorian and Andor and and all those and focus. Yeah, gone.
1: <laughs> Technically, there's nothing that stops them, but practically, we just know for a fact that. Disney, as it stands today, with what it's done with Star Wars so far, will have absolutely no interest in the story whatsoever because it's just not a subject uh, that they're interested in touching.
0: <laughs> Which is shocking because it's great. I mean, it's fantastic. So um, shame on them, and lucky for you because you know you've got a great, a great, a great se- se- series. I've got to say. Um, I mean, I've got to say everything on screen. Let's talk about special effects and the costumes because we touched on it earlier on and the tk suits which are awesome which unfortunately i am the size of a, a silverback gorilla so i would not suit a a suit like that i really wouldn't but i would dream of wearing one but i wouldn't want to embarrass my kids um you know obviously you mentioned that you've got all the suits from the garrison that you're part of which i think is awesome i mean how did you work on the special effects and how were they sort of um you know, utilize on set and did anything go wrong? Because the special effects, again, I think are great.
2: Thank you very much. Um, I, I mean, how, how do we do it? You know, we, we have a team of professionals that we trust wholeheartedly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we are visionaries in the sense that we love to craft the story and come up with these, um, you know, character moments and moments of action and and how everybody gets through this and and does or does not. But um, execution is always sort of a a stair-step process, you know, one foot at a time kind of a thing where first it's what is it and, and then some ideas about how we might be able to achieve it and then some tests until you finally get on set and actually execute it. And that comes with a lot of input from Everybody who has a hand in that, you know, Marco and I don't think that we're above anyone we work with in in their knowledge of how to pull off very creative uh, shots or or explosions or anything like that. Um, um, uh, I'm sorry, I forget the I forget the second part. of I mean, of the question. I mean,
0: how much how much of the the, fan fi- the, the, the the film the short film and the series is practical opposed to digital? Because I'm a great fan of practical. I really am. I mean, to me, the original Star Wars, for me, hands down, was the best in my opinion because I think too much C- CGI can ruin things. Um, so I think practical all the way. So in this series, how much of it is practical, and how much of it is digital in the way of the special effects?
1: We always do as much practical as we as we can, but especially with a series <clears throat> like this, um, we always have to find the best way to marry the two to achieve the best result. Uh, one of the honestly proudest uh, moments for me uh, was for sure the, the model ship that we had made for the Soteria, the the transport ship that Nova Squad is, is using. That is a, f- a full miniature. And every time you see the ship in action, it is the actual miniature that be filmed on a whole separate miniature unit with like a, uh, a techno dolly, which is a, computerized robot arm, essentially, or, or, or crane that can uh, that can do any sort of motion with pinpoint accuracy and amazing speed. That's how we filmed those shots every single time. And then they were still calmed in, into a digital environment because obviously we couldn't build all of Coruscant, uh, even though we were, we were briefly talking about building that as a miniature as well, but that just exceeded the scope and budget that we have available to us.
0: I mean, yeah, one scenes... I mean, there
2: Sorry, there ahead. is a, I just wanted to add a little bit there is a, a, a healthy amount of practical in there and we really do um, you know have to find that um, best blend of how to achieve a large scope which sometimes the VFX can really help out with but also wanting to keep it very grounded and, and feeling lifelike I think for myself the the probably my favorite moment uh, in chapter one you know it opens with a large space battle and then we get down to the ground and there's a very long take on the ground there of a lot of practical things happening with uh, quite a minor bit of vfx occurring and and that was such a wonderful shot to set up and flesh out and and work out i just remember on the day the number of calls i had to make as you know we're calling out ships are flying over and people have to hit practical operable (laughs) lights on set and explosion one goes off and you know we've got a special effects guy running with a paintball gun uh, shooting effectively spark and dust hits in front of our stormtroopers. Uh, like it was, it was kind of madness. Uh, so that was a ton of fun to rehearse and uh, get right and then really see it come to life with that visual effect blend put on top.
0: It just sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like that sandbox is definitely a place to be. Running around with stormtroopers and things exploding. I couldn't think anything better, to be honest. Uh, I have got some um, some pictures here for everyone to see. Um, there we go, Sergeant there. Um, I mean, the costumes, again, are just absolutely amazing. Where was the location uh, for this? Because the location was awesome. Um, I think that that is from is it that's that's from the film isn't it the, sh- uh, the short film am i right yeah that's that? correct uh yeah. we
1: shot both the short film and the opening bit of the series set on endor at a paintball and airsoft park that uh just on the outskirts of uh of vancouver here and the owner was just really stoked about what we were doing and it's a it's a very popular location uh for many productions here in town, like supernatural filmed there many times and tons of other TV shows. But uh he actually let us use the entire like back third of the of the lot while active paintball games were happening (laughs) on the rest of the property. So uh, it was certainly a challenging shoot, but the location was absolutely (laughs) worth it. Anytime anytime
2: anybody had to go to the bathroom, they had to put a, a vest on and put their hands up <laughs> and walk through the course. I'm not even joking, it was it was a hilarious yeah. experience and we all fretted going to the bathroom because Blast. you had to walk through active paintballing.
0: That scene there, that ship in the back, is that is that being put in there? Is that a real ship that was built? Because
1: that's, that looks, looks awesome. That is once again a miniature. So in it, a way uh, it is real. <laughs> Well, and, and interestingly, um, so this shot,
2: that's that's a miniature, but there's an overhead sort of traveling shot that precedes this. And we the, the paintball course has some very interesting military hardware laying around, and they had two uh, fighter jet wings. So we actually laid two physical fighter jet wings to kind of help flesh out the crash site of the ship from in the overhead shot. They're practical fighter jet wings. And then we just dragged them out and you know, VFX'd in that big guy.
0: The magic of film, eh? The magic of film, and then we talk about the the, the casting, because the casting in this is just awesome. I mean, obviously, I'm biased because I've had Troy on the show and Lee Shorten. Um, I mean, how how did the casting go? I mean, was there, uh, you know, you've got is it Mark Mayer as well on on, on the pro the project? I mean, was the casting difficult? Uh, was there a lot of uh, recall, recalls uh, auditions and And was it quite difficult to choose?
1: It was actually super easy um, because I wrote the part of Torrance letter with Troy in mind from the get-go. I've known Troy for a very long time, almost 10 10 years now, and he's just such an amazing actor. So I don't know. For me, it just clicked instantly. I, I just knew that he would be the best to play that part. And most other people... We just knew that they, they they were right. I believe the only part that we really openly cast was uh, Nomi in the series, uh, which also ended up being uh, amazingly played by Victoria, who happens to be a good friend of Troy. Uh, everything is just, you know, related <laughs> in, in some way. And uh, Mark was honestly just a sort of a lucky story. Hey, Andy? Yeah, Mark. Um... We actually were, I believe looking for
2: VFX artists at, at that point and uh, connected with uh, sort of a VFX incubator here in Vancouver um, just to see if we could maybe swap artists or you know help them out in some sense and, and see if they had some VFX artists that could help us out. And in doing that, they they were polishing one of their own projects or had just finished polishing the project that Mark Muir was involved in, uh, and the gentleman we were talking to about all of this. Uh, Sort of just opened up that conversation for us and said, hey, you know, I do know Mark and he is open to these kinds of projects. And and I really like what you guys are doing. Maybe you should reach out to him and see if he's interested. And that's exactly what we did. We had a a, I don't even know if it was our our locked cut. We had sort of a fine cut done with no VFX involved or anything. And we just kind of cold called Mark and said, hey, we're filmmakers. This is what we're doing. This is the intention. Here's the project. Here's who we'd like you to play are you interested? And, and he responded very well to that and was very interested. Uh, and, and we've sort of, um, struck a friendship since then and, and really, uh, gotten to work alongside him. It's, it's been a pleasure.
1: And honestly, just having the, the privilege to direct Mark in the voice booth after being a massive fan mm-hmm. of Mass Effect my entire life, uh, that was just one of the best moments of my entire <laughs> life. Honestly, just amazing and i just
0: can't wait to see more of him to be honest um you know because the last um chapter definitely left you uh on the edge waiting for 2023 uh it needs 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 to come sooner this is crazy you're gonna give me a, a you know a twitch i need to see the next one but apparently you wrote the entire first season i wrote this down Uh, first season story outline on a 10-hour road trip from Vancouver to (laughs) Prince George, British Columbia, I presume, B.C., in 2019. Um, You know, is this true? And, and, you know, why weren't you listening to a bit of country music?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because there's no reception on that part of the highway anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very true. That's entirely true.
2: Marco and I seem to do our best writing uh, when we are traveling together. It's, it's always kind of been a thing. We've, we've taken many trips together and um, we find that's just a great point of downtime to really sink our teeth into, you know, whatever it is we're trying to write. Um, but that, that full, I think at that point, actually it was six episodes we had uh, fleshed out in that 10 hour drive, uh, sort of where we wanted to take the story and everything and, and refined it from there and brought it to this writer's room that we created. Um, but that's that's really where the the key points of it came from.
0: And what what can the fans expect from the series to come? I mean, what's the plan um, with future episodes? Can you share any plans on dates or or, or how many more episodes is going to be uh, within the next couple of years?
2: It's challenging. I'm going to tell you that um, this project is a bit of a juggernaut in the sense that. Uh, you know, even going back to casting for a moment, the hardest part for casting for me was simply understanding at what pace we're going to be able to make this. You know, who do we need to cast right now and who should we hold off on casting because it, it might be a year or two before they get their on screen time. Um, the intention has always been that the Patreon, our, our hope, I suppose I should say, is that the Patreon would get to a level that uh, by by episode two, we could, you know, garner our funds for <laughs> months and then really get into pre-production principal, and post-production very closely. That hasn't quite gotten there. And, and a huge shout out to the patrons that, you know, have donated to this project. I mean, it really, really only happens because those people uh, continue to donate and that's what keeps us going. That is all the money that we use. Um, so uh, what what I can say is that we're going into our next shooting block, uh, very likely in late October. Um, we have been exceptionally lucky in taking in very large, very generous donations from a number of uh, very high level union shows around town. Um, and that has, has really helped us um, accelerate our timelines a little bit and uh, you know, build some larger sets and things without, You know, fearing the money man and, and, uh, you know, how we're going to be able to pay all these things off. So um, I would say that we're doing pretty well right now in regards to, uh, you know, what materials we have uh, at our disposal and our finances. Um, I think we're probably looking at a mid-2023 for Chapter 3, which will actually just be the supercut of Episode 1 as it was intended to be released. We're not going to release Chapter 3 on its own. It'll be everything edited together with the... Uh, sort of intros pulled out and and, uh, credits put in their proper places. Um, And from there, uh, you know, I think, again, we're going to have to see sort of what the fan reception is. Um, But I think that we probably can achieve episode two, pardon me, uh, episode two quicker than we've done episode one.
0: So basically, in a nutshell, everyone needs to get onto Patreon. Uh, (laughs) They need to support. Um, I mean, do you, are you offering fans to, purchase merchandise or you're not allowed to do that actually i suppose you're not allowed to do that because it's stole damn disney i know yeah, well,
1: it's, it's
2: the well, hardest thing
0: it, you know remember
1: that awesome poster you showed at the beginning you were asking yeah. if you can buy it technically no you can't buy it but if you support us on patreon it's one of the many awesome rewards that we will give you as a patron so that's, that's sort go. of how
2: we've gotten around that. Yeah, we, we really did want to, and, and we have created quite a bit of uh, merchandise for Nova Squad and Bucketheads. And, and we really thought hard about opening a shop and being able to sell stuff, but we just didn't want to jeopardize the project in that way. So I think the Patreon is the, the best way forward in that. But we got lots of great goodies, digital and physical, that uh, we reward those patrons with.
0: And I will definitely put a link at the bottom of the description of this video and on the podcast description as well. And it's, it's funny you say about the sets, because I've read here, is this true? A large part of the practical sets in the show were built from leftover and discarded materials and set pieces from cancelled TV shows. So that's, were there any cancelled right. TV shows that you can mention that you may have used the sets from?
1: I actually don't think we're allowed to say the names of the shows that gave us materials, but they are really big shows that most people there's probably one. have the, seen.
2: There's one that I officially signed a donation contract for, oh, so Which I well? feel that I feel that I'm okay saying this one. Lost in Space. Oh, Lost yeah. in yeah. Space was, and they were probably our first um, very large donation towards the show, and I did sign proper, uh, you know, contracts and things with them. Um, so, so that that was one. There have been probably three other shows that I can think of, uh, very large shows that have donated just a ton of material and clothing and everything to us. Um, so yeah, that, that yeah. really keeps us going. Well, it just
1: I makes actually sense just,
0: because... Sorry, go
1: I just spent all of yesterday uh, stuffing a five-ton truck yet again at a film studio with all the leftover set deck and props from a show that just shut down. Uh, and you know there's half a spaceship in that truck now, and we just get to use that material. We have to repaint it so people can really tell what it's from. But you know, if, if people really know those shows, they will probably be able to pick out certain pieces We like, wait, is that from the you know that thing? And do we you know do our what? best I... to
2: change all that too. We do our best yeah. to, to change that stuff up as much as possible. I
1: feel also you
0: might be missing a trick because the sponsors of my show, which are Prop store, I don't know if you're aware of Prop store? But props, props, prop, prop store are, are, are one of the biggest. They've got offices in LA and in London, and they deal with props and costume pieces from shows. And they go for a lot of money, um, you know. And if your hands, you know, may have props and costumes from to certain shows. I mean, for example, they they sold uh, at one of their recent auctions. Um, that went oh. for... Do you want to take a guess on what that sold for?
2: Oh, Marco, your guess is probably going to be a lot closer than mine. You you guessed for both of us. This
0: is a Stormtrooper helmet from the New Hope. A New Hope, you know, the first one. So £25,000. Well off. Well off. It went for $140,000. Jesus. Wow. And they sold a Han Solo jacket that Harrison Ford had. And that was a lot more than that. I mean, they are yeah. literally... Stephen Lane, who's the CEO, he was one of the creative consultants on some of the last Star Wars movies. Um, so I'm just saying, if you've got a, a few pieces at hand, give Prop Store you know, an email. I can add you to a thread. and can introduce you. And who knows? That could fund your next couple of episodes quite quite uh, quickly who knows but no um i mean obviously um you know the part of uh torrent was was troy and we see lee Shorten in the show as well and i'm really pleased to hear some english accents in there as well as well
2: which i mean awesome. it's, it's star wars you, you know especially from the imperial perspective there there simply needs to be some english accents
0: i mean, I mean what's what's been the most challenging part of making bucket heads for you both like individually
2: uh i think for myself honestly doing it whilst having to work a regular day job um the burning the, the midnight oil is like my every day um you know it, it has been very challenging especially with with uh covid and the pandemic and everything that's you know occurred in the last few years mm. worldwide um the passion is always there. Um, The energy I sometimes have to push and push and push because it is just very difficult to do something that we aren't able to uh, see any monetary gain from, you know, simply for those necessary costs in life, like keeping a roof over your head.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And Mark? Yeah. For me, I guess it's just, running a volunteer project for years and years and years on end because it's filmmaking is great when you can just ask the right people hey I need this I need this I need this and they just do it because it's the job but if it's a volunteer project you just really have to find the team that has the the passion the energy and the capacity to stick around and actually see it see it through and like there's like Andy said everyone needs to make a living as well. So um, just having to to keep pushing really and drive mm. this project even though there's no monetary gain and keep asking people for new favors and can you do this? can you do that? We need this. it's it's a lot of work. it's a lot of energy uh, but it's also in some ways the best job in in, in, in the world, you know.
0: And you often forget that this is a, a project of passion because literally yeah. you are, you've are you got your day jobs, you have got your own careers, and this is sat the side, side of it. Um, I mean, have you got plans in the future for this? Or is it a case of uh, you're going to always do Star Wars or would you consider maybe making other series based on other things um, out there?
2: Absolutely, we would. And, um, you know, we we do have many projects on the go outside of Star Wars as well. Um, You know, ones that are original stories, whether they're from us or uh, from other filmmakers that we're working alongside. Um, You know, we we are just passionate filmmakers at at our core. Um, Star Wars is such a wonderful sandbox to play in. And we're very fortunate to have a lot of assets that allow us to do that at quite a high level. Um, so we're very happy to continue playing there and, and would love to do that, you know, for the rest of our lives and uh, alongside Disney if they'd ever have us. Um, but we're certainly not afraid of stepping outside of that sandbox into other territory. And, and we do have some, some plans and some things on the go right now.
0: Uh, so, and where do you see yourself... Um as individuals like in 10 20 years do you see 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 yourself as uh, director's cinematographers producers or everything
2: everything <laughs> i think everything yeah you know it it's funny cuz you come into film and like the first thing they you know anybody who knows their salt teaches you is don't do everything mm. it, it's, it's, there's too many facets to film it, too many cards, and, and you get a bit lost, and um, you know, things go to the wayside. But I think as Marco and I have taken on Bucketheads, we have enjoyed, you know, initially coming into it thinking, okay, we, we want to be um, simply DOPs, um, but now having quite a good bit of experience directing and producing as well, they're all wonderful jobs, and, and have unique challenges to them, um, and really, I, I enjoy every aspect of it, so... I think, you know, if I could put my career wherever, you know, my heart lies in 20 years, I would love to be a, a director, producer, director of photography. Maybe not all three of those titles on any project, <laughs> um, but certainly, you know, fulfilling those job roles uh, in different moments.
0: And who's your favorite directors out there? Um, and you can't choose George Lucas. It's got to be some someone else.
2: I um and it's a bit different than i i style as a director of photography uh but i anderson i think wes anderson is such a wonderfully quirky mind um, and the way that his films are piece stories are intertwined and such a um, innocent manner almost even with you know somewhat sinister content there's murders mm-hmm. and, and deaths and things like that um, but I just really love the way that Wes Anderson ties together all these unique character perspectives into sort of one grandiose
1: story And what about you Marco? Uh, I have to confess that I'm just blank on the last name there we go, I absolutely love Edgar Wright and his work <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> had to Google his class. I knew it was Edgar. That but... is fine. Yeah.
0: And and which Star Wars movie is your favorite? And why?
1: Empire Strikes Back because it's the best one.
0: Oh Andy, do you agree or disagree?
1: <laughs> I put it as a hard
2: uh, a hard number two, I'll say. Like it's very close to my number one. Um and this probably upsets some people because I feel like they, you know, for the hardcore Star Wars fans, this is removed from anything that's even considered. But uh, Rogue One, I really, really loved Rogue One. I, I just, the, uh, it was one of the first times I felt the gravity of the war in Star Wars, which is mm. such a huge portion of everything that is Star Wars. Um, so I, I really got to go with Rogue One. I've I've seen it so many times and I just love it
0: and do you think that disney is going in the right direction with star wars at the moment
1: well having just seen the three three episodes of andor that they came out with i think so they've uh, finally found a fresh new direction that works and finally they've discovered some nuanced writing which was very refreshing that's yeah
2: awesome. I, w- I would agree i would agree i you know, Disney has come out with so much lately, um, and there there's tons of great there as well. I mean, everybody loves The Mandalorian, um, but I have to agree, there is just so much nuance so far in Andor, more so than they've really done up to this point. It gives me good hope. Of course.
0: Yeah, I mean, And Andor, I think, is great because, again, it's got a completely different feel to Mandalorian and Boba Fett. And the rest and i i was a bit disappointed with boba fett because the most viewed episode was the one with the mandalorian in it <laughs> which i was a bit mm. but to be honest that was the episode that i enjoyed the most but um, it was the best one
1: yeah
0: it was it was <laughs> which it's cares shocking, a lot about it? that show <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean i've been a star wars fan for many many years and my wife uh it took my wife two years to mention that her relative was in star wars and i'll show you a picture it's a great auntie her name was gilda and that's her on the right hand oh side at gosh. the bottom and she played that character
1: no way that's that so is cool. amazing
0: yeah. I mean, you know what? Um, she shared it. Oh no, well, what am I doing now? I'm putting like completely <laughs> I've just gone to pot now. Um yeah, so I didn't I didn't realise and uh, apparently she shared it with Rusty Coffee who also uh starred in the show. And and Tom Spina was saying um that one of the, one of the celebrations because Gilda was credited as Aunt Beru. And they had a big panel at a, a celebration, and the whole conversation was about Gil, Gil, Gilda Cohen. So I find it quite comical that, yeah, my wife's uh, related. But she was normal size. She was three foot four inches tall, but she was in all in promote. Uh, proportion which is really weird i've got a passport it just it just seems really bizarre but no my wife isn't that short thank goodness <laughs> <laughs> she's she's a good height. um but uh, but no i mean the show again is available on youtube uh patreon get on it um because you know it's had 2.5 million views the actual series itself is 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 getting plenty of reviews uh at, and views. Um, You've won so many awards as well. Uh, You've been to Dragon Con. Who was the one that met their partner at Dragon Con? That was me. Sorry. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> at least you met someone that likes conventions. My wife hates conventions. Um, I feel, I feel so
2: lucky in that experience. Like, yeah, to meet my my wife at, you know, where my passions lie and to know right away that, that we click sort of in that sense was, was really exceptional.
0: And that is because of Bucketheads, which is great, wasn't it? Because she was there showing the mu- mu- movie. And uh, so everything's worked out for you. Um, but I, I would love to have you on again uh once uh the next chapter comes out um i cannot wait i mean what have we got to look forward to in the next chapter because th- the recent chapter left us on tender hooks um so i mean what sort of things can we you know without ruining anything ndas well you're the directors and producers so
1: you can say <laughs> whatever you want um, i think what i can what i can promise already at this point is the biggest coolest space chase sequence you've ever seen in a fan film
0: i love it when you say fan film because i'm i am literally i think that this show rivals disney i think literally the effects the way it looks um i mean i'm all right in saying you've even used some of the same technology that they used in the Man- mandalorian which are the big screens Uh, which are doing fantastic work. And there'll be more
2: of that. There'll be more of that.
0: That is awesome. You know, I cannot wait. But Andy, Marco, you've been great guests. It's been lovely to have have you on. Uh, Keep safe and stay super.
2: Thank you, you too. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for having us on, man.